This is Jalen, and you're listening to the Firm Foundation Church Podcast, where you'll get weekly episodes featuring your favorite sermons straight from our in-person Sunday morning services. Check it out. Uh, So this morning, we're going to continue a series that we began many weeks ago, and it's a series entitled Parables. Uh, this is week six of this series, and so throughout the summer, we've been taking time to examine uh, the parables and the teachings of Jesus that are found in the Gospels, the beginning of the New Testament in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, and so Jesus speaks in parables. They're kind of like uh, riddles. They're stories uh, that that culture would understand, and and through those stories, uh, he would use those as a way to to share about a kingdom of God principle that he wanted the people to catch. And so we're taking time to unlock these parables, and we're diving into what it meant uh, back then in the culture, because uh, parables are earthly stories that reveal spiritual truth, and that leads to kingdom living. Uh, And so today, the parable that we're going to be looking at is in Luke chapter 11, and it is called the parable of the friend at midnight the parable of the friend at midnight let's pray lord we love you we're so thankful for your word we ask god that you would come and speak to us today lord we ask like we do every single week challenge us and encourage us today lord i pray that we do not leave that this place changed and lord i know that could just be something that we say week in and week out and then we just ignore it and What happens? We just kind of go through the same old rhythm. We don't change much. We don't adjust much. We don't live more for your kingdom, but we continue living more for ourselves. But Lord, we are saying today, here's our lives. We're surrendered to you. Lord, come and speak to us and challenge us with your word today. Come and encourage us for the life that you've called us to live. We need you and we surrender all to you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. All right, so we're going to be looking at the parable of the friend at midnight. So if you have your Bibles and are in Luke chapter 11, uh, one of the things that's important to do as we study these parables is that we understand the context in which it was written. Uh, And so if you're looking at your Bible, kind of look right before it and right after it. It's going to kind of clue you in with what's going on here in Scripture. And here's what we know if we look at the beginning of Luke chapter 11. We can understand that Jesus and the disciples are praying together. Uh, They're praying together. The disciples are really observing Jesus' prayer. And when Jesus pauses for a moment in his prayer, they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so then Jesus goes into something that you and I are probably very familiar with, which is the Lord's Prayer. And so that's what Jesus goes in to teach his disciples and his followers that this is how you should pray. And then immediately after he goes into, after he shares the Lord's Prayer, he shares this parable with the disciples. Uh, and so these things are absolutely connected, and we're going to go back to the Lord's Prayer here in just a moment um, towards the end of today's message. But as soon as he finishes the Lord's Prayer, he goes into this parable. And so let's study and look at this together. Luke chapter 11, we're going to read verses 5 and 8. And it says, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you 
though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And so let's look at this paragraph, uh, this parable, excuse me. Let's look at this parable together for just a moment. Let's take some time to unlock it. And I want you to understand some of the culture significance uh, that's being spoken about here in this parable. Uh, so here's what we know. There's two neighbors uh, that live near each other, uh, but they're not just neighbors. Uh, it actually refers to them as friends here in this parable. And so they aren't just neighbors, but they're friends. Uh, I'm sure oftentimes they would come from working the field or wherever they were at, and the men would run into each other and say hi and talk about their days. Uh, you know, they would say, you know, it's July and it's almost September. That means the Dallas Cowboys are about to dominate the NFL. Come on. I know I've got a couple with me here that are <laughs> Cowboys fans, but, um, you know, they would just chit-chat and connect together and, and talk about their day and how their wives are, and their families are doing, and I'm sure the kids would run around and play together. They would probably get together for meals, uh, and so they weren't just neighbors, but they were friends. And so one of these friends uh, receives a traveler that comes to stay with him. Uh, it could have been a stranger in this, in this parable. It says a friend. Uh, but what we know in that culture is that it was an honor for them to receive travelers that would come and stay with them. Uh, and so this could have been a close friend or this just could have been an endearing term that was used because uh, travelers were welcome to come and stay in your home. So that would freak some of us out if somebody came up and knocked on the door and said, you got a spare bedroom I can stay in. Most of us would be like, you're crazy. Go down to the hotel, all right? So culturally, that doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but culturally, this would have made sense to the people that were listening uh, to this parable. And so uh, there's a traveling guest that's there, and it would have been an honor for them. And so he needs to feed him, but doesn't have enough food to feed uh, their traveling guest that's with them. Uh, and so what does he do? He Just like most of us would do, you go over and knock on your neighbor's door. You got a few eggs. You know, you got some salt, some sugar, or something that we can use to, uh, because I forgot to buy those ingredients. And so uh, he does kind of the same thing, goes over to his neighbor's house and asks for some food. But the neighbor doesn't want to get out of bed. Uh, the neighbor, it says that they are locked in for the night and that he was sleeping uh, with his children uh, because they had settled in for the night. And so I want you to kind of imagine this story for just a minute. Again, this is not going to make sense to us uh, because of in our culture, we live in multi-room homes uh, with insulated walls. Uh, and so for us, this in context, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why is he sleeping with his children? Uh, why are they closed in for the night? Why is he telling them to be quiet? Uh, we kind of saw this culturally when we were missionaries in Guatemala for six years, but there's usually not multi-rooms in homes. In fact, it's usually one big room, maybe separated by a curtain or a sheet that would create a divider for a second room. And so anything that happens in that home or right outside of it is heard. Uh, because they're usually thin walls and you could hear through them no problem. Uh, and so this father and, and mother were asleep. Their kids were asleep. Uh, their pets might have been there asleep with them. And so in order for this neighbor to get up, it meant he was going to have to disturb the whole household in order to serve his friend or his neighbor. Now, how many of you guys have younger kids, babies, or maybe you once did? When you put them to sleep... You want them to stay asleep, please, for however long possible. Let me get sleep. Don't disturb me because you know if they wake up, 
they probably are going to be up for a while. And then you're going to have to go through the whole bedroom, uh, the, 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 the sleeping routine with them again to get them settled and, uh, and comfortable again. And so that's kind of what's happening here in context. He does not want to disturb his family and have to go through the, the motions of getting everybody back down. Uh, for the night. And so he turned away his friend. He said, no, I'm not getting up. I'm not opening the door. I'm not giving you the food that you need. Um, but here's the thing we know about this neighbor, this friend. He doesn't give up. Uh, he remains persistent. The end of that parable, it tells us he stayed persistent so that he could receive what he was asking for. So he continues to knock. He continues to ask. He continues to knock. He continues to ask. How many of you have somebody that has been persistent on your door and knocking and like, just leave me alone. I don't want to answer the door. Uh, but if you remain persistent, you kind of get what you want. And so that's kind of what we see here uh, through this parable. Uh, and I think this gives us a glimpse into the character of God and the importance of prayer. You know, this parable teaches us to be persistent in our praying, our seeking, and our knocking. And so here's the very first point that I want you to understand from this parable, is that we need to take prayer seriously. We need to take prayer seriously. What is prayer? It's communication between us and the Lord. That's what prayer is all about. For those of you that are married, you know that, that communication is important in a marriage. For those of you that have a best friend or someone that you're close with, communication is important. If you don't communicate, there's no closeness. It's the same thing with prayer. If there is very little prayer going on in your life, then there's probably not a close and intimate relationship with God. Prayer is important and we need to take it seriously and we need to be persistent in our prayers. Uh, Judy and I were talking about this before the service, and this is something that the Lord is stirring back in my heart again, but we are in a war. We are in a battle, and it is so important that prayer is one of the foundations of our church. There should be three pillars that support any church or any individual's life, and it's the Word of God, it's worship, and it's prayer. And so if one of those aren't a part of your daily going around lives, then your foundation is weak. It's uneven. It's not steady. And prayer is something so key for us in the church. Here's what we know in Ephesians 6. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Man, and when it seems like warfare is increasing around you, uh, man, and when it feels like there is some struggle going on in your life, we need to press in and pray. When you see someone struggling around you, one of our brothers and sisters in Christ that we're doing life with, when there's a friend or a family member that's struggling, we need to get on our knees and we need to pray. Here's some questions that we should ask. Why is the enemy attacking me right now? So many of us are wondering that and we're asking that question, but I think a better question would be, why are the enemy's attacks landing right now in my life? Not why is he attacking, but why are his attacks landing? I think that's something that we need to look at. Ephesians, if you keep reading in Ephesians 6 verse 16, it says, above all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. 
The enemy is constantly firing shots at us. Uh, fiery arrows are meant to set things ablaze to distract us so that we turn our back on the enemy and we're focused on the distractions of life and things that are going on here so the enemy can come in and strike. And so that's why it's so important that we take up the shield of faith, that we are taking time to pray and say, Lord, what is going on? Give me divine understanding and wisdom so that we can fight the good fight of faith. Listen, here's what I know. These are our foundations that we have as a church, but we are called to go after the one. But you can't go after the one. You can't serve those in our community if you're over here distracted with what's going on in your life. If you're too busy, if you're too distracted, then you're going to miss out on being a part of someone else's life that has a need, and you are called to be their answered prayer. And so we're called to go after the one. We're called to help others move forward. We are called to plant more churches. Uh, We are called to let this gospel extend past Pawpaw, past Lawton, past the Southwest Michigan area. There is more that God has in store for us. And maybe that's a hard vision for you to grab a hold of right now. But can I just encourage you for a moment? There's more for us. God isn't finished with us. He has more in store for us, and it's good things. But the enemy isn't going to sit back and let us take ground. Just because we've identified a community that God has called us to, and we bought a building a little over a year ago, and we've become settled here, that doesn't mean it's over. That doesn't mean it's time to sit back and just relax and get comfortable because these seats feel good. The air conditioning feels good unless you're on the first two rows. We're not called just to sit back, but we're called to keep taking ground. There's more for us. Uh, I want you to write these passages of Scripture down because I want you to go study them later. I don't have time to teach these or go into these in depth right now, but uh, write down Daniel chapter 10. Write down Mark chapter 5 and Titus 1. Daniel 10, Mark 5. Titus 1. I encourage you to go read those and study those on your own this week. But as you read these stories, we can discover that there are strongholds and territorial spirits that are set up over regions, over cities, over families, over over generations. And it's so important for us to be able to identify these things And ways that we can understand where these strongholds are at is by sin patterns that we are recognizing and seeing, by character character flaws. Those are all indicators of certain strongholds that have been built up in an individual's life or in the area of a region or a city. And so I want us to ask this question, what strongholds are waging war against me? What generational curses do we need to break as a family so that the generations that come behind us will not have that same struggle? What are strongholds that have been built up in this community, in this region that are tearing us down? We need to be able to identify those and pray against them and wage war against them so that curse can be broken over our land. Uh, Here's some things that I've identified in in the four and a half years of being here that I can see as territorial spirits that are doing everything they can to bring down the church and the world, and it's religious spirits. That is a territorial spirit, materialism, uh, adultery, suicide, alcoholism, substance abuse, 
and sexual immorality. These are territorial spirits that are going after the church, that are going after our kids, that are going after our neighbors and those in the areas around us. And so we have got to take prayer seriously and do our part to wage war in the spirit. Here's what I'm seeing is a cultural trend, is the church has stopped fighting and the enemy has been advancing. And so that means that a praying church has got to arise once again. We've got to get down on our knees and we have got to take prayer seriously. This is a weapon that God has put in our hands to to wage war against our enemy. We are called to take ground and to stand up against the fiery arrows that the enemy is shooting our way. I know you can hear this and maybe it can feel intimidating or uh, maybe cause you a little bit of fear like, okay, I'm fighting against something that's bigger than me, that's unseen, that's part of darkness, that's part of this spiritual realm that I don't understand. I'm waging a war against Satan. I I can't do that on my own. And I just want to encourage you for just a moment, you do not have to be afraid. We do not have to fear our enemy. We do not have to fear darkness because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The truth of this message is we've got to take prayer seriously and we don't need to get burdened and stressed out about the needs that we're seeing around us. But what we are called to do as the church is to press in and to pray. You know, we're in a season where I feel like the Lord is saying we cannot slack in our prayer lives. This is a season for us to press in. And one thing that God continues to confirm is that now is the time, more than ever before, to press in and pray. And so I'm going to leave a little plug here connected to this point. This summer, we had three nights that we've set aside to pray uh, and to worship together. And so I've charged you and asked you guys over the past couple of weeks, come to at least one of them. Uh, We had one this past Wednesday night, and it was an incredible time that I believe paved the way for God to move in the tent revival that happened this past weekend. Uh, We've got Vacation Bible School coming up. We've got other ways that God is calling us to engage our community. And I am calling us to be a praying church. Listen, as your pastor, I would not say this if it wasn't important, but I need you to come. I need you to show up. I can't fight this on my own. Uh, Other leaders that are in this church, we can't fight this alone, but it requires us being a united force, a united church to stand against the, the darkness in the principalities that are waging war against us and against God's kingdom and his church. And so I wanna call you to come and pray. So the next two Wednesday nights at 6.30, we're going to be here for an hour, all right? We stick to an hour, just so you know. It's not usually any longer than that. If it's longer, it's like five or six minutes, all right? But we stick to an hour, and we pray, and we worship, and we ask God to move in our community, in our families, in the generations, and in the cities that he's called us to. And, and so I want to encourage you in that, and I want you to know that that's not something that's going to stop, but that's something that we will continue as we head into our Connect Group season in the fall and the winter. And so we encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, prayer isn't meant to cause more stress in your life. Uh, prayer isn't meant to be one of these other things. It's just a check mark. I, I did my three or four minutes of praying and telling the Lord everything that I need and, and want and am hoping for. It's not a, a Santa's wish list. Um, it's not meant to be this uh, stress in your life, but what it's actually meant to do is to relieve the stress that you're carrying. 
Uh, it's a process of giving over your burdens to God. That's what prayer is all about. First Peter 5, 7 tells us to cast all our cares on Him. Prayer is transferring the burden. Psalms 55, 22 says the Lord will sustain you. The situations that are surrounding you can't move you if you give it to him. And so it's so important that we allow the Lord to sustain us. Uh, you know, I think here's what prayer looks like a lot of times for us. I want to try to illustrate this to you. You know, we go before the Lord in prayer and we uh, kind of take these prayers and things that are burdening our hearts and we lay them at God's feet. Lord, are you there? God, there's two days in a row I've been praying for this. Are you there? Are you hearing me, God? Lord, it's been a week. It's been a month. The thing is still sitting there, God. It hasn't changed the way I thought it should. The timing hasn't been how I expected it to. God, are you there? All right, I guess he's not going to respond, so I'm just going to pick this burden back up, and we carry it with us. We don't remain persistent in our prayers. We kind of forget about it. We push it to the side. We think God doesn't care. God doesn't hear me. But I'm here to tell you this morning, he does hear you. And you are not meant to carry that on your own. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of the principality and power. All authority and dominion is our God's. When we take prayer seriously, when we intercede, when we give those situations over to God, his word confirms that he reigns over darkness. That he is the final authority. And so I want to ask us and call us to being a church that persistently prays. Let's intercede and stand against the enemy who is doing all that he can to get this area in us to fall captive to strongholds. Point number two that I want you to understand from this parable that the Lord is trying to teach us is that God hears your prayers. God hears your prayers. Your, your prayers aren't falling on deaf ears. Your, your prayers aren't going up into the sky to this void of, of nothingness. But there is a God that hears you. Now look at this parable right here that we're studying this morning, the parable of uh, the friend at midnight. Now if you look immediately after this parable, I think something else is important that's communicated here that I want us to read to gain more context of what he's called us to do. And so Luke 11, now we're going to look at verses 9 through 13. So immediately following this parable, he says, so I say to you in response to this story that I just told you about, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, thanks Lord for calling us evil, 
If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him? Listen, I want you to understand that what the Lord is saying is, I hear you. I hear your prayers. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Keep on asking. I hear you and I will respond. There's no maybe here in this text. There's no maybe if you ask, maybe it'll happen. There's no maybe if you seek me, maybe you'll find me. Maybe if you knock, the door will be open. It's in absolutes. If you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. Jeremiah 29, 12 tells us, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. He hears your prayers. Verse Peter 3.12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've surrendered your life to him, you are the righteous. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Matthew 18, 19, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that you ask, that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. God hears your prayers. I want to encourage you today, do not doubt it. Maybe there's been some unanswered prayers that you felt like you've had in your life and that's caused you to assume God doesn't hear you. Please don't get to that place. Hear me. God's word is clear. He hears our prayers. He knows the desires of our hearts. And I love this illustration that we see here at the end of this parable where he compares uh, earthly fathers to the heavenly father. And I think there's some things that we can learn from this here. You know, fathers listen to their kids. At least most of us do. Maybe not right after we get home from work, but we do listen to our kids, right? You know, we love them and we want them to be happy. I'm pretty sure that's almost every dad's heart is we want to see our kids happy. We want to see them succeed. The desires that's in their heart, we want to see those dreams come to pass. Like that's the desire of us as, as fathers. And, and fathers don't give their kids things that would be harmful to them, Right? Uh, Things that we know that aren't best for them, we maybe don't give to our kids. You know, I think about this as as a father of five kids, and I know there's some things that aren't good for my kids. And so instead of giving them things that they think they need, I say no, because it's what's best for them. You know, what are some things that you can imagine and think of that you've told your kids or that you could see yourself telling your kids one day? And it's important that we are parents that do say no sometimes because we are looking out for the best interest of our kids. Uh, You know, I know that there's activities that our kids have wanted to be involved in in the past and we've said no to them uh, because there's been other things that have been more important. Uh, Sundays are a a non-negotiable for us as a family. Uh, We are going to be in church. Uh, When God has called us to do something as a family, or if God puts something on Christina's heart or on my heart, and and we're going to pursue that thing, and if anything tries to get in the way, we say no to it and we explain why. And here's why, because there is nothing more important in my life or in my kid's life than following God. 
And so we made a decision as a family, we are going to teach that this is a priority and that nothing is going to stand in the way because everything else falls in comparison to us pursuing God and the call that he has on our lives. And so what are we doing? We're beginning to discover what those callings are in our kids' lives. And we are starting to champion those and say, let's go after it. Uh, let's pursue those things. And so as parents, we've got to, uh, if you are a, um, a loving parent, you are going to do what's best for your kids. Uh, why? Because it's not always what's, uh, the things that they might want to pursue might not be what's best for them. And so friends, I want you to know that God hears your prayers. And sometimes the response to you is no, because he knows what's best for you. Or maybe it's not even a no. Maybe it's just wait for just a moment because I'm working some things out so that when you're ready to receive that answer to prayer, it's going to be right there waiting for you. 1 John 5.14 tells us, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, you need to circle that, you need to underline that in your Bible, If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Here's point number three that I want you to grab a hold of this morning, because a lot of times when we pray, it is me-centered. But here's something that you need to shift in your praying. You need to make sure that it is God-centered. And so point number three is place God at the center of your prayers. Place God at the center of your prayers. Instead of going before the Lord and saying, here's what I want, here's what I need, we need to say, Father, what's in your heart regarding this situation? Do you want me to be healed right now? Or do you have something different for me? God, I, I, need, I want to be at a different workplace. I'm tired of this atmosphere. But if you want something different, I know that you have a plan and a purpose for me where I'm at. God, I'm asking that you would help me to understand your heart for the world around me. It's not just about me. You're not just writing a story for Blake, but you're writing a story for Blake and Adam and Aaron and Heather and Paul and Austin. And and as we're pursuing God, he's in the process of doing some things. And so his timing and his ways are sometimes different than what we would anticipate or, or hope for. But I need us to get to this place of trusting God no matter the outcome. Prayer is a time for us to align our desires with the will of the Father. To get a heavenly perspective of what it is that he's trying to do. It's submitting to what he wants versus what I want. Our our kids love swimming. Um, All of our kids have always loved swimming. Uh, And I remember not too long ago, Logan and Grayson woke up one morning and they said, man, we really want to go swimming today. And so, all right, we hear you. We'll kind of see what happens with today and how things go. And hopefully we'll be able to make it to the pool at some point. So they said, okay. And so they went around doing uh, everything that boys do. Uh, They were playing and making a mess and causing chaos as always. Uh, And then when it came to lunchtime, we sat down and had lunch together. And the next thing we knew, they were gone and they came back down in their swimsuits. Like, what are you guys doing? They said, we want to go swim today. I said, okay, but right now is not a good time. You got to give us some more time. It's like, okay. So they went about their day and kept doing something. and, uh, And so later on in the day, We took them swimming. 
Now, here's something I think that we can learn from the story is that Logan and Grayson didn't say first thing in the morning, uh, we want to go swimming today. And come on, mom and dad, would you just please take me? They didn't keep nagging and driving us crazy about it, but they just remained postured from this place of, God, I, I believe that this is something that you've called to, that's supposed to happen in my life, and so I'm not moving from this position. I know that I want to go to the pool, and so I'm staying planted here. I'm not going to be annoying about it, but I'm just going to trust that you're a good father, and this is where you're leading me. Uh, and then what did they do? They positioned themselves in their swimsuits to be ready for when they got to go to the pool. I think for many of us, this is the, the, the posture that we need to take in prayer of saying, God, here's some things that we are praying and believing for, and I am standing on it. And I'm going to be start positioning myself and dressing myself and getting ready to receive the yes, the response, the, the response that might even be different than what I expect later on, because I know that this is something that you've called me to. I know that this is your will. I know that this is your heart. And so I'm standing here and I am refusing to move off of this position. And so we need to place our hearts at the feet of Jesus to take on this posture to receive, to wait on the Lord, not to get lost while we're waiting on him, not to get distracted and to start pursuing things that should not be a part of our lives, but to remain positioned in a place to receive what he has for us, to, to look and see what he's trying to do, to gain a heavenly perspective on that situation, and then to receive that gift and to thank him for it, however it's packaged. However, it's packaged. Why? Because you can trust that he knows better. He's got something better for you, maybe that which you can even understand. We need to place God at the center of our prayers. And so at the very beginning of this chapter in Luke 11, the disciples are asking Jesus how to pray, and he shares the Lord's prayer with them. And so I want to read that with us this morning, but instead of reading it from Luke's gospel, I want to read it from uh, uh, the book of Matthew. Uh, this is the way that I kind of grew up studying this and memorized this prayer. And so this is the, the, the text that runs more fluidly from my, from my tongue. And so I want to read uh, the Lord's Prayer to you from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. It says, In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is how Jesus taught his followers and us to pray. And so I think there's a pattern here and some things that we can identify inside of this teaching uh, that can help us in our lives of prayer as we uh, pray and cry out to God. And I love how Jesus starts this off. He says, in this manner, in this same way, not necessarily with these exact words, but in this pattern, in this way, this is how you should pray. 
And so here's some, uh, a pattern that I've kind of uh, see uh, walked out here in the Lord's Prayer. And so I want to share this with you. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, this is already going to be in your notes. If you don't have that, you're going to have to write it down. So get ready. All right. The pattern of the Lord's Prayer is, I think, first and foremost, it teaches us to stand in the presence of Abba Father. And to pay attention to this, these words of Abba Father. You see, Abba Father is significant because it means the Father that is intimately and closely involved and connected in our lives. It's not a God that's far away, that's not close to us, but we need to posture ourselves in this place to stand in the presence of Abba Father. But when you're busy, when you're running around, when you're distracted, most of the time the thing that gets pushed to the back burner is being with the Lord. And so we've got to make sure that we set aside time to be in the presence of the Father, not just talking to Him, but listening to Him. That's a two-way conversation. When we're in the presence of the Lord, we need to take time to worship Him. We need to take time to adore Him. We need to take time to thank Him for what He's done in our lives. If Sunday mornings are the only time that you're worshiping, then you're missing out, church. If the only time that you're saying thank you, God, for what you've done is when you're singing a song on Sundays, you're missing out. We need to take time to daily thank the Lord for what he's doing. Because if you're not taking time to daily recognize it, you're going to miss out on what God is doing in your life. It is so easy to go through a day and miss how God has been faithful to you. So take time as a family, as a couple in your own life is before you lay your head down and go to bed and say, uh, God, I'm recognizing that these are two things that you've done for me today and I wanna thank you for it. Stay postured in this place of gratitude. I think through our times of prayer, we should be dedicating our lives afresh and anew to the Lord. It's a time for us to recommit our lives to him, to, to recognize that you are my purpose that you are my heart's desire. You are the one that I'm following. And so to take time to dedicate our lives to Jesus. I think prayer is meant to be a time for intercession. It's not just supposed to be about you, but we're supposed to be interceding for others. We're supposed to be going to war for our community, uh, for our neighbors, for our coworkers, and to be praying that God would move radically in their life, that those strongholds that are around us in our community would be torn down. We are called to be a praying church and recognizing and identifying needs around us and to pray for them. Prayer is a time for uh, petition. It's a time for personal needs to recognize and say, God, here's some heavy things that I'm carrying and to lay those at Jesus' feet. I think the Lord's Prayer teaches us the importance of confession. How often do you say and recognize every day, Lord, these are ways that I know that I failed you today. Forgive me. Do you take time to do that? The beautiful thing is that we know about the cross is that Jesus paid for all of our sins when he died upon that cross once and for all. He paid the price but we need to take time to recognize how we've fallen away from him, how we've sinned and say, God, I am submitting these things to you and I am asking that you would forgive me and confess those things before him and then to receive forgiveness. Not to walk in condemnation, but to receive forgiveness 
And then what repentance is all about is now turning away from those things and doing the best that you can by the empowerment of his spirit to stay away from those sin patterns. I think that the Lord teaches the Lord's prayer teaches us the importance of deliverance. If you are recognizing some patterns in your life, those things need to be broken in Jesus' name. You need to be delivered from those, and most of the time that requires laying on of hands and anointing of oil and saying, these are things that need to be broken in my life and allowing other believers to come alongside of you and to, to pray with you and stand with you so that God will change things in your life. And when that happens, we receive the empowerment of His Spirit to live a new life and to go a new way. And lastly, the thing that I think the Lord's uh, prayer teaches us is the importance of centering our lives on Jesus Christ and then taking time to listen to what he has to say to us. It's that two-way conversation, taking time to say, okay, Lord, now what's on your heart? What is it that you want to say? And listen and journal and write those things down. Listen, this parable of the friend at midnight, I think it teaches us the importance of taking prayer seriously understanding that God hears our prayers and placing God at the center of our lives and of our prayers. And in closing, I want you to understand that we serve a timeless God. You know, I've shared this in the past and uh, there's a scripture that speaks directly to this, but the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here's the beautiful thing about that to me, is he's a consistent God. His character never changes. His character was the same to the generations that were before us. He's the same God that we worship and live for today, and he's the same God that we will see in the future. And so I don't know what you're going through right now in this moment, but I want you to know that his character hasn't shifted just because you're in a difficult season that he still remains good. He still remains faithful. He is timeless. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you pray, I believe that God immediately responds every single time. I know what you're thinking. It's like, but Blake, I haven't seen God respond immediately like you just said. Here's what I want you to understand is that we serve a timeless God. The same yesterday, today, and forever. God can hear your prayer right now today, and he can say, okay, in one week from now, is going to be the perfect time for me to answer that prayer. And he can drop it on the timeline. He responds. Maybe it's months or even years down the line before we, we see the fruit of that prayer being answered and fulfilled, but I believe that God responds immediately. And sometimes that response is different than we hope it would look. But we need to make sure that we identify it. You know, some of us will go before the Lord and say, God, I need a car. I can't get to where I need to go. But he says, you know what? Here's a bus ticket. Here's, here's a roommate that has a car. Here's, here's a friend that can loan one to you right now. And uh, maybe it's not exactly like you anticipated he would answer your prayer. But I want you to understand that he's a God that hears you and he responds. He will provide for your every needs according to his will. Uh, I've got a family member of, uh, of ours that uh, shared something that I thought was so powerful. 
they were really struggling for a long time to, to hold down a job. And uh, for many, many, many years, they struggled in the area of finances. And it was really frustrating because they saw people succeeding around them. They saw their businesses flourishing and growing and things going well. But uh, this individual just kept struggling. Uh, they kept start try, uh, they kept trying to start a few different businesses and eventually they failed, uh, ended in this place of not being in a good place financially and losing some things and just kind of frustrated. Uh, but they shared with me just here recently that they've gained some new perspective because they've realized that through all of that, that they've had to remain dependent on God because everything else around them was shaky and was uncertain, but the one thing that remained true and steady was God. And so that was the one thing that gave them what they needed through all of that hardship. And so now they're kind of looking over here on the other side of it and thinking, if I had prosperity, if my business grew and did what it needed to, I don't think I would have relied on God like I do today. I would have been able to provide for myself and there would be no need for God providing for me. And so I'm thankful because I can look back now with perspective to say, maybe God didn't answer my prayer like I hoped he would, but I'm thankful that he didn't. And so today, what is that thing that you need to gain a greater perspective of in your life? What is something the Lord needs you to understand? Like, maybe I haven't come through in this area, but I need you to trust me because I'm working something out. I'm doing something for your good. So remain persistent. And I think of that persistence in prayer, the the thing that's most important there is that relationship, is maintaining that closeness with the Father. And so I want you to know that we serve a God that is timeless. And sometimes it's immediate response, and sometimes he says, just wait on me because I'm working something out for your good. I see your journey. I see your family. I see your health crisis. I see where your church is at. I see that community. I see that area and that region, that state, that country, and that nation. And I want you to know that my timing is perfect. God is never late. Thanks for tuning in. If what you heard today was inspirational or transformative, tell us about it. We love your feedback. For more information on how you can get connected, check us out at firmfoundation.church.